0: All right, y'all. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Run at the Score podcast. As always, I'm your host, Noah Willard. This episode, I realize, I understand, it's coming out two days later than I said it was initially going to come out. It's going to drop Thursday morning. As a reminder, as I'm recording this episode, I always film these episodes the night before, so this is coming out, or this is being recorded, excuse me, on Wednesday night before the game's wrapped up. Keep that in mind as we go through all of our stuff, but man, I I just want to start off real quick before we even jump into anything. I just want to go ahead and say thank y'all for all the love on that last episode, man. It's It had been several months since we'd uploaded an episode. I I mean, I I felt a little rusty. I still feel rusty sitting here right now. We're slowly getting back into the groove of things. Um, But man, the love was unreal. We were getting some good numbers. It actually ended up being... I don't know if it ever jumped to two or to one. Last time I checked, Though the episode was the third most played episode on the channel. So, um, shout out to you guys. I was getting a lot of love on Twitter, on Instagram, getting some story shout outs um, and... Man, I saw some pretty remarkable numbers, too. We had 1.2 thousand people visit the profile of the Round of the Score podcast within the last 30 days before that episode went live. And as a reminder, like I said, we hadn't even uploaded an episode in that point in time. So I just want to once again thank you guys for tuning into these episodes. You show me that you continue to want to hear my opinions, hear me talk. And let, let, I got that out of the way now. Let's go ahead and let's jump into some basketball. But real quick, before we run up the score, I'm going to need you guys to go run up the five-star reviews, run up the follow. Be sure to pre-download all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcast. Share this podcast with your friends, with any NBA fans you know that you think would enjoy this podcast. And I will say... Well, I'm going to start off. If you guys watched last week's episode, you heard me say that in this episode, we were going to go over the. We were going to do some overreactions so far for the NBA season. Well, I just want to say some plans have changed. I have a couple things that I really, really want to talk about today. I'm not going to spoil all of it yet. I will say the first thing we're going to talk about today is the James Harden trade. And I realize I'm the last person on this planet in sports media talking about the James Harden trade. It happened. Over a week ago at this point, and oh my gosh, do I feel like an idiot? I literally was recording the episode. What was it, Monday night of last week? Recording last week's episode, and I'm sitting there. We're talking about the Clippers, and I literally specifically said, you know, oh, they're tied to James Harden, da 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 da. But it's not going to happen. It, they've they they've shown they don't have interest. They don't want to give up the assets for it. They've the trade talks are kind of dying. And then out of nowhere, literally in the middle of the night after I recorded the episode, so from the time that I recorded the episode to the time that it got uploaded, which, reminds you, was around eight hours, James Harden gets traded. In the middle of the night, in typical Daryl Morey fashion, a big trade goes down in the middle of the night. And I will say I did want to drop an emergency episode to talk about it a couple days after. I know the numbers weren't going to be good. But as y'all heard last episode, I got a lot going on. I just had a lot of stuff pop up. We weren't able to get to it. I really wanted to get my roommate that's from Philly on to react to this trade from a Philadelphia um, 76er fan side of things. We just didn't get to it. But man, we got a lot to unpack about the trade today. I'm not going to spend the most time on this trade because there is one other topic that I really want to talk about that I want to spend the most time on, which like I said, I'm going to reveal later in the episode. But I will say, y'all want to stick around for that part because I have a lot of a lot of opinions, and I'm going to be willing to admit that I was wrong about something later in this episode, so for sure, be be sure to stick around for that. Um, I guess I've kind of open up this episode good. I don't, my my brain is scattered. Y'all know this is a ramble. I I did. I know I did say that I was going to get a guest into this episode. I might get a guest on in the next episode, but I I think I might end up doing the next episode solo. Next episode you all, you guys will actually get within the next couple of days. Um, Maybe Monday morning at the latest, but more than likely you might get one over the weekend. I know weekend episodes don't do great with the numbers. Even this dropping on a Thursday is probably not going to do great, but hey, y'all deserve some content. I got a lot of NBA opinions to talk about and i didn't necessarily i didn't get a guest on today not necessarily because i couldn't find one but because i just wanted to sit here and ramble again man this podcast was kind of turning into something that i wasn't really wanting it to turn into where i just guest after guest after guest we'd sit there and we'd argue and we'd make we'd make hot takes and that's just not really what i wanted in this podcast i wanted to sit here give y'all my honest true nba opinions and I think that the audience that I do have, y'all stick around because you guys enjoy that, and you know that I'm giving my 100% honesty on every single opinion. I'm not making hot takes just to start an argument or to get some clicks. All right, let me shut up, man. I've talked for was it, almost five minutes now, um, and we haven't even gotten into the episode. So let's go ahead and jump right into our first topic. Like I said, the James Harden trade. So for those of you that aren't aware, let's go ahead and go over the well, – i say for those of you that aren't aware, there's no way that any of you guys aren't aware of what's happening right now. But basically, the LA Clippers made a blockbuster trade on, like I said, I think it was Monday night, I guess Tuesday morning, if you want to get real technical, to acquire James Harden from the Philadelphia 76ers. So the 76ers, they sent James Harden, P.J. Tucker, which, by the way, P.J. Tucker is a little bit of an underrated loss. He's not super great anymore, but good locker room guy, good veteran and Phillip, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. I'm going to butcher it. Just Philip, <laughs> somebody that's not really relevant to this trade. The Clippers get Marcus Morse, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, K.J. Martin, and a few picks they get. The, the picks include, I think it's like some crazy 2020, 2027 like weird swap that's likely going to be late, uh, 2028 completely unprotected, might I am, from the L.A. Clippers who has an old core, so I'm just saying that pick might be really valuable for Philly. Um two second round picks and the 2029 20, pick swap. So I let's go ahead. I'm going to start from I'm going to start from the um from the LA Clippers side of things, I think. Um mainly because I think the Philadelphia 76ers are a lot more interesting when it comes to this trade as you know the Philadelphia 76ers have been one of the more interesting teams to talk about and have the most going on and you know honestly the past several years. So I think that for the Clippers this trade is way more cut and dry than it is for the 76ers. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to cover how, how how this affects the Los Angeles Clippers real quick. This won't take long. Then we're going to go into the 76ers cuz I have a lot to say about what this means for the Philadelphia 76ers. So starting out for the for the Clippers I think that I'm probably not in the minority by saying this, but I don't love the trade for the Clippers. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. I, I'm I'm very impartial on it. I actually I'm actually I'm probably higher on this trade for the Clipper Clippers than most people. A lot of people are, you know, they're comparing when Russ and Harden played together in Houston. You know, obviously they in OKC. Steve, that was really early in both of their careers. I'm not even really going to bring that up, but obviously they played for what was it a year and a half and In Houston and it did not go to plan they obviously the Rockets completely reformulated their roster around Russell Westbrook and James Harden and it made their roster horrible ended up making both players want out so how's this going to be different well Russell Westbrook is not a cornerstone of this team. I will say that. That's how it makes it different. I, different. I do think that Russell Westbrook has had a really, really good start to his season. I think he's re- like very much so proving that he just didn't fit with the Lakers. Now, yes, he obviously is not the player he once was. He's also 30-whatever. I'm going to say 33, 34. I really don't know how old Russell Westbrook is, and I'm not going to look it up. Um, but I think it's, it's safe to say that this team is not built around Russell Westbrook. If Russell Westbrook doesn't fit with this team bye um so in terms of thinking about how this trade works for the clippers they got rid of a ton of depth which is what most people hate about this trade but i personally still think they're fine they've still got guys like norman powell bones highland um I, I mean they're not the deepest team in the league anymore but they've still got some good bench pieces um and i would actually really like to see harden be their one and i would like for them to scoot russell westbrook to the bench. And be a premier six man in this league. I don't know if they're necessarily going to do that just because of the name value of Russell Westbrook. Uh, I, I like I said, I'd be very interested to see interested to see if they actually do that. But that's personally what I would like to see from the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, I do think we we have seen what is this year four or whatever of the Kawhi Leonard Paul George experiment. You know, we see a lot of people really criticizing the Clippers for making that move, trading move, trading, trading Shea Gilges, alexander which you can make the argument is better than both of those players right now. And also a ton of draft capital. I mean, they don't have any draft capital until like 2030, 2031, something like that. I mean, they they included seventh graders in this trade for, for James Harden. So obviously they've completely bought into this core. And if it does not work out, Oh no! And I really, I honestly and truly do think that this core is reaching the end of its window. I know that they haven't even really made a championship, which is terrible. Um, but I, I mean, you look at other teams that have really sacrificed all their draft capital to go win now in the past, however many years. I mean, you've got the Bucks going all in for Drew Holiday. Boom! They won a championship. The Lakers going all-in for Anthony Davis. Boom, they got a championship. And now you have the Clippers here getting Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and they have one conference championship appearance to show for it. And they they didn't even really have a chance to get to the finals in that series because Kawhi Leonard got hurt the series right before it. So we've seen this core consistently underperform, and a lot of people are thinking that this all-in strategy that they went with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard was terrible. I don't think it was. I think even if this core never wins anything, if they never even make the finals, I don't think you can look back at that and have regret. Looking at the time and the era, um, I don't think, especially coming off of a championship, I don't think anybody could see that getting Kawhi Leonard and Paul George as a regretful decision. Not a single person. Especially, I mean, we didn't know what Shea Gilders was going to turn into. Obviously, we saw, we saw flashes. I think people like myself really saw a lot in Shea. But obviously, he was a young guy. He just came off his rookie or sophomore season or something like that. I think it was his rookie season. So it, it wasn't necessarily, at the time, a regretful deal to make. And I don't even think you can look back on it with regret. And now they've really, really even further bought into this court. And I, like I said, I think I like it. With this James Harden trade, the biggest thing they've missed since, what was it, 20, like I said, 2020, whenever this course formed, they've not had the point guard that can play make. It's pretty much just, it's been up to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George just to ball. And at the end of the day, you do still need a playmaker, especially when these guys are playing 40 games a year. Um, Paul George playing more than Kawhi, obviously, but I'd be interested to see how they play now that these guys aren't going to get a lot of... Um, a lot of, what's the word I'm looking for? Just the, the the rest. I don't know why I can't think of that term. You guys are going to clown me for forgetting it. Um, load management. I don't know why that took me so long to, to remember. But now because of the new NBA rules, these guys are not going to get load management. Now they've got James Harden to really play, make and set up for these guys. I, I like it, like I said. when Once you get to the playoffs, I understand, like I said, they sacrificed a lot of depth. Um, oh, and I completely forgot about Terrence Mann, whether he's off their bench or starting, whatever. They were able to keep him in this deal, which was great. Um, but you get to the playoffs, and you really only run a seven, eight-man rotation anyways. You get to a game seven, you might run a six, maybe a seven. So I'd, I'm i not looking at this trade for the Clippers and being like, oh, they lost a lot of depth here. I'm looking at this trade and thinking, if Harden can be a point guard, and I'll explain what I mean by that in a minute. If Harden can be a point guard, this team is 100% a team that can make a run to win a championship. Are they my pick? No. But could they? Absolutely. They were already a team that could have done it beforehand, and I think this trade did make them, like I said, not as much better as I think they would have hoped, but they definitely made them better. Now, here's what I meant about Harden needs to be a point guard, and this will be my last point. I'm going to move on because, like I said, this isn't even the main talking point of this episode. I don't want to let this episode run more than 35, 40 minutes. Um, So... The biggest thing what I mean is Harden needs to be a point guard is last year we saw well for one, a lot of people are really discrediting Harden because of how he's always played in the playoffs and more specifically last year. He had those two games in the playoffs last year where he dropped like forty something points, and otherwise he was pretty much non existent on the floor. And we saw them like lose a series against Boston in seven because Harden could not could not play basketball pretty much. Um but people forget he... I don't remember if he made an All-NBA team last year um, or if he was like borderline All-NBA. Either way, I think he deserved to be on an All-NBA team last year. I want to say he did make it, but maybe he didn't. That, Like I said, fact check me on that. Um, but you're trading for an All-NBA player, essentially. I know he wasn't an all-star. He was a former all-star whatever. And he also led the the league in assists last year, which is what the Clippers need. They need a guy to pass the rock around and to run the offense. You don't need James Harden to go back to vintage James Harden where he's getting the 40-whatever-percent usage rate, which is absolutely insane, by the way. Um... You don't need him to go back to that because you don't really need three ball dominant players, and that's what I mean by point guard. If Harden's coming onto this team and he's being ball dominant like he was back in Houston or in Brooklyn, where it's it's you know it's his show, and these other guys are just part of his offense, this team is not going to make it far. You're not. I, I I would hate to see a form of basketball where it's just. Here's an isolation for Kawhi. All right, next possession. All right, Paul George, it's your turn. Oh, Harden, you get a turn, and then back and forth. Oh, we might throw Russ Westbrook in here every now and again. Like that form of basketball will not win. It never has won, and it never will win. So in order for this team to win, and for in order for this team, for this trade to be worth it for this team, Harden needs to be a point guard. All right, moving on to the 76ers. I, I did spend way too long on the Clippers, so I'm going to actually speed up the 76ers more than I had planned on it. You know me. I, I can sit here and I can ramble. I get I get excited when I start talking about trades. Y'all all know this. But talking about the 76ers is a lot more complicated for the 76ers, and obviously the big elephant in the room is Joel Embiid. Will Joel Embiid want to be here after, I guess, this trade? Um And I just want to say this whole trade, whether it it makes or breaks the 76ers for now, for the future, whatever, 100% relies on Tyrese Maxey. 100% relies on Tyrese Maxey. And I'm going to say right now, Tyrese Maxey has impressed me so much so far this year. Um, I think we all kind of knew that Tyrese Maxey was going to take a step. We all knew he was going to be a really good player. A lot of people picked him to be their most improved player going into this year. And Hey, I mean, he, he's looked really good. Um, Tyrese Maxey is a guy I believe can average 25 points per game. And you know, he hasn't done it yet, but he's also never been the number two option on the team. And Tyrese Maxey is 100% what makes or breaks this Clippers team. Sorry, not Clippers 76ers team. And because here's here's what you got to look at. You can't really look at this trade as whether or not Philly won or lost this trade. You necess- you kind of want to look at it from a Joel Embiid standpoint, like I said. Joel Embiid hinted over the summer that he did not necessarily want to be in Philly anymore if they couldn't win. And he kind of played it off. He was, I think he realized he made a mistake by saying that. And he was like, oh, you know, I was just trolling. But Joel, that, that didn't sound like a troll, my guy. I'm not going to lie. That did not sound like a troll. I, I mean... I think that with James Harden gone, if Tyrese Maxey can step up and prove to Joel Embiid, I'm your number two on a championship team, I think that convinces Joel Embiid to stay. And so here's kind of the 76ers, this trade is more complicated for them than the Clippers. Clippers, they make this trade cool. They go win. The 76ers, they still have two options to make. Because right now, the 76ers team, as good as they've been, they've been a great team. They're not coming out of the East. I'm going to say right now, they're not coming out of the East. Am I saying it won't happen? No, but I don't think that they really have a chance to make it out of the East. The 76ers really have two ways to go with this team. And here's what I like about this trade. For way number one, you can convince Joel Embiid to stay. You can convince him to pretty much waste a year of his prime. And just get through this season, play the best they can, you know, potentially get it out of get out of the second round and try to get over that hump. But really, you you convince the guy that hey, this isn't our year. If it works out great, but this isn't our year. Next year's the year we go all in. That's option one, and I love this option, and I think this is the option they 100% go with if Joel Embiid is on board because in this trade, all they got was expiring contracts and and draft capital, obviously. But they traded Harden away for pretty much expiring contracts. And they've also got Tobias Harris on an expiring contract. They've got all these guys on an expiring contract. Some bad con I'm not saying Tobias Harris is a bad contract, but it's, he's just a little bit overpaid for his production in Philadelphia. And they're gonna have it's like a hundred and million a hundred million dollars in cap room going into the offseason. And I know the free agency class isn't anything crazy. It's guys like Clay Thompson, OG Anobi, so on and so forth. Um and I really do think that if they can convince Joel Embiid to wait one season and use all that cap space and then use those draft picks and go in to beef up this roster, this is a team that whew, they could be dangerous. That's that's option number one for the 76ers. Option number two is you say, hey, Joel, Joel Embiid is in his prime right now. We've seen him with an injury history earlier in his career. He's kind of figured it out recently, but he did have an injury history earlier in his career. Um like I said, he's in his prime. He just came off an MVP. He looks incredible this season. Do you really want to waste that? Or do you want to use these contracts that are expiring to package together to go get a guy and throw with some draft capital? And there's there's some options that this can be done. And I did draw up a few trades that I would really like to see the 76ers do if they did decide to do the option number two where they go all in this year. They trade everything they just got to get a guy on the team this year. Number one, and I think... The ideal, perfect guy that fits here in Philadelphia is OG Ananobi. And it's really risky to go trade for a guy like OG Ananobi. because, for one, he's a free agent after this year. And you would think if they traded for him, they'd know he'd resign, but you're never actually you never 100% sure. And you're also, if you're deciding to go out and trade OG Ananobi, the Raptors asking price is insane. It's like two to three first-round picks. So you're going to give up a ton of draft capital for a guy that you might be able to wait to the end of the season and just sign anyways, like legitimately you could just wait and sign him anyways. Um, but I think Ojean is the perfect fit on this team in terms of guys that could be available. Um, another name I've seen thrown around is like Carl Anthony Towns, but I hate that idea seeing how he and Rudy Gobert have played together. Um, I guess last year because the Timberwolves are actually really freaking good this year, which, hey, we're going to talk about in our overreacting video um, in a couple days, so be sure to check that out. Um, But I don't see them trading for Carl Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, I've seen Zach Levine, but honestly, I don't like the fit of Zach Levine in Philly, and I'm not even just saying that because I'm a Bulls fan because I really don't think we're going to get the package for Zach Levine that we really think we would get, but just a backcourt of Tyrese Maxey and Zach Levine, I mean, that, that would be such a fun team, I will say. But that team ain't winning a championship. There's nobody that's gonna, nobody that is gonna get stopped by a backcourt of, of Tyrese Maxey and Zach Levine. Um, obviously, Pascal Siakam is is on, on a name of list, but I th- on on the list of names, but I think he's also an expiring contract, so he's a guy you can go out and get. Um, so I really do think OG Ananobi is the best fit for this team. Like I said, I I don't even know how Pascal would fit with this team. I, good, great, terrible. I I have no idea. Um, but I would really like to see them. Go with option number one. Try to convince Joel Embiid to just wait a year, and go out, and you know they have so much money they could do a, a hybrid of both. I mean, who knows? Some some surprise name might be available at the trade deadline that we don't expect. They go out and grab him with some of the money that they have. Then the Tobias Harris contract's gone in the off season. And then boom, they can still sign OG on OB. So you you know there's a lot of ways for the 76ers to play this and. I don't envy Daryl Morey's job because, man, that's going to be hard. All right. Let's move to what I really wanted to talk about in this episode, what I'm super excited to talk about in this episode. Um, and we might cut it a little shorter because y'all know I do get carried away with trades. And that intro went a little bit long. So uh, I promise y'all we won't have a long intro every single episode. We're just, hey, we're working our way back into it. This is the ramble. So, you know, we're we going to ramble. But. I want to talk about Victor Womenyama. and I know everywhere that y'all have seen, pretty much for, I guess, for a whole year, pretty much, <laughs> everyone is just only talking about Victor Womenyama. but I'm ready for my spiel on Victor Wembanyama because, you know, I've talked about him, obviously, I mean, everybody's talked about him, but I haven't really talked about him, and... You know, I almost wanted to make a whole podcast episode on this guy. He is that good and has that much to talk about. I I know I can make a whole one-hour episode on this guy. We're not going to do that, obviously, because some people people don't care, honestly. So we're just going to, you know, fit this into whatever time we have left. I I do want to start this out by saying I am not, like, a great college guy or overseas or G League or whatever. I You know, I do a little bit of a dive into the guys that – um and into the prospects that I feel like are going into the NBA. Um, I'll do a good little catch-up going into the into the NBA draft, but I will say I'm not a prospect. I don't know how to scout these guys, or not a prospect, not a scout. Um, I don't know how to scout these guys, like the level that these NBA scouts know how to, or even people on social media. So I do want to preface that beforehand, so take what I say about this guy pre-NBA with a grain of salt. But I do my, my first time watching Wimbanyama, was um, I think it was it was last year when um, his team played the G League and night team against Scoot Henderson. You know, it was nationally televised, um, which was crazy. I never would have thought a game like that would have been nationally televised, but it was. It was the first time I ever saw Victor Wimbanyama. Of course, if y'all watched that game, Wimby and Scoot had an absolute brawl against each other. That was the first time I ever watched Wimby, and I knew he was going to be special straight from that game. But boy, I didn't know he was gonna be this special. Hey, y'all, if y'all remember my hot take, I said that Scoot was gonna be a better player than Wimby, and hey, Scoot has started off rough. I'm not overreacting on Scoot. It's just it's what happens with most rookies. But oh my, dude, Victor Wembanyama is the real deal, and I'm not the type of guy to buy into hype, really ever or potential or whatever. I'm always the type of guy who's like, I need to see it. I need I need to see it first, um, and then I'll believe it. So for me to be saying just a few games into Victor Wembanyama's career, for me to say that I think he's the real deal, I don't, I don't think the hype was unwarranted, um, yeah, he's been really good. So what's really bringing this conversation on right now is he pretty much had a breakout game, his fifth, his fifth game into the into his NBA career um, against the Phoenix Suns, who many people believe are a team that has a chance to make it out the West. Victor Wembanyama finished this game with 38 points and 10 rebounds, and if y'all did not watch this game, he was the best player on the basketball court. Let me repeat that. He was on the best player. He was the best player on the basketball court. Not on the Spurs. On the whole court, including the Phoenix Suns. Kevin Durant and Devin Booker were on the basketball court as this at the same time as Wimby. And he was the best player on the court this game. Um I if if any of y'all watched this game, you know what I'm about to say. Like, like you already understand what I'm about to say if you did not watch this game just please go look at the last four and a half minutes of this game when single-handedly closed this game out for the Spurs the Spurs don't went on it was like a tie game or something like that with like four and a half minutes left the Spurs went on like a 12-0 run or something Wimby was 10 of those points and not only was he doing on the offensive end he was doing on the defensive end um it's this it's crazy man and I will say the thing that makes it the craziest about Wimby, and like I said, I don't want to too much overreact because we are so early into this guy's career, is the progression on this guy is insane. From first seeing him play against Scoot in that G League at night game, like I was talking about, to then, you know, the Summer League. um, And then he had his first couple games in his career, which, you know, Summer League was rough for Wimby. Everybody was like, oh, he's a bust. He's a bust, which don't do that over Summer League. But, you know, he had a rough Summer League. His first couple of the games, it was like, oh, all right, Wimby. I mean, are you this generational prospect we're talking about? Or are you just another guy because you don't look that good? And wow, to where? I mean, like I said, it's only a few games. Guys are gonna have good and bad games, especially rookies. But wow, and even even games not this, he's looking so much better on offense and defense. It's it's been insane seeing how he's progressing, and I can, I mean, the sky is the limit. What's the saying that the the ceiling is the is the ceiling or I don't know what what the saying is, but um, Wimby is going to be really good. And here's the thing that I've really picked up on Victor Wembanyama is the offense has been great, great. The offense is part of the game. People thought was going to need to come around. Um, You know, when when he was playing against the Phoenix Suns, he had the mid range pull up. over Kevin Durant, it went in. That's a shot that, you know, even the best shooters miss sometimes. He, had a, he shot a three-pointer um, late in the game to pretty much ice the game. That's a shot that a lot of guys will miss, even the best three-point shooters. So, you know, the offense has been great. But the reason why Wimby is so elite is he can miss those shots, and he's still one of the best players on the court because his defense is elite. 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 This early on into his NBA career. We're talking about a rookie, and his defense is elite. And, um, I mean, it's not even just based off blocks and steals and everything. If you guys dive into the deep, the the, the deep, deep dive into the advanced statistics on Victor Wembanyama, which I'm not a huge advanced statistics guy, so I'm not going to sit here and explain, to, explain it to you and act like I understand it 100%, like, oh, I'm this big analytics guy, but, um, I mean, he's statistically – I mean, players are afraid to drive in the paint when, when when Wimby's there, and they have a terrible shooting percentage when they do. Wimby is an incredible um, defender, and it's crazy to say that this early in his NBA career, it seems like he's already got defense. I mean, he, he's only going to get better at defense. I mean, he's still – I could easily see a defensive player of the year in his future, easily. And I, I do want to say, too, Wimby is not – the best he could be right now, and it's not his fault. the The youth on the Spurs is hurting Wimby. They don't have a good point guard. They have Trey Jones, who you know is a decent point guard, but he's not playmaking at all. Wimby's you know getting wide open looks that they're just not getting him the ball. He's backing guys down where he's a mismatch. They're not getting him the ball. This is a guy where he's taking a lot of ISOs, bringing the ball up the court, um, taking it coast to coast because he knows that he needs to work to get his own buckets. You wait until you pair a guy like that with an elite playmaker, oh my gosh, this guy is going to be insane. And it's early into the Spurs rebuild, so it's, I say early, just because of Wimby, they're already going to be out of it within a year or two or something like that. But it's early into the Spurs core, so they're going to find that guy. So I'm not saying they need to worry about that right now, but Wimby is doing all of this without a good point guard and with so much youth on his team. Um... And I don't, well, I do know if any, if y'all are in tune with the NBA at all and with sports at all, or if you're on social media at all, you've heard the quote that Shaquille O'Neal said. um, And I I didn't know if I was going to talk about it, but why why don't y'all just listen to this quote real quick and, uh, and, and we can talk about it. I want to go at Reggie a little bit. He talks about he's never seen a guy like uh, Wimbiana. Yes, you have. His name is Bobo. You think Bobo? Let me let me let let my they point. they both black or something? No, 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 Let me finish my point. Wimbianna is just way more consistent than Bobo. But Bobo is the okay. first Okay, I I can get that. No. Listen, Listen, first of all, that's no. This is seen Bobo. That's not true. Wimbianna is way, 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 way more consistent than than Bobo. He's only played three games. No, he's talking about over his his French league and Are all Are you that comparing Wimbledon to Bobo? Bobo is the first seven 7'4 guy that we've seen come out with Man. the handle, shoot the threes, yes. Y'all acting like, act like y'all ain't never seen a guy like that before. I, Bobo's I, the first guy. That's y- all y- I'm saying. D- no, and I stand here. on what I say. You right. can yell, Bro, you can yell all you want. I'm I stand yelling, on what I say. I'm, yelling at you. I'm, I'm standing on what I'm saying. Okay, Kenny, well, you stand... And Kenny and Ernie <laughs> agrees with me. Bobo no, is the first guy. Bobo just don't play hard, that's all. So, yeah. Shaq, my guy, what are you on? And, like, hey, man, I, I understand that, you know, he's already so popular and so hyped up. People are going to hate. People are going to root against the guy. But Bull Bol, really? I mean, this is the guy that's been tossed around the league. Was he on his third team right now? He's he's getting DMPs for the Suns. I mean, he was on the magic line. La- I mean, and, and the fact that people are defending this man Bull Bull. And they're saying Bo Bowl just hasn't had the opportunity. He could be just just as good as Wimby and show that he can do what Wimby does. No. He played for the Magic last year, a team that desperately needed minutes. I mean, and he wasn't playing some games. I mean, sure, we've seen flashes of Bobo. If If you watch highlights, you probably think Bobo could be really, really good. And he could be. You know, he's still young in his NBA career. I don't want to count him out. But, I mean, to compare a guy like Wimby to Bull Bull is crazy. And really all they have in common is that they're tall and they can shoot. But I, I really don't even think they have the same play, play style. I'm not going to go too deep into that. We've already heard Shaq get roasted about this quote so many times. And like I said, it's a little bit surprising to me that so many people have defended Shaq over this quote. But um, And I, I do actually I have one more point, and then I have a final, like, little thing I want to bring up. I guess kind, kind of a new topic for this episode, whatever. Um, but can Wimby be the first rookie since Blake Griffin to make the All-Star game? That's the question going on right now. It's so early in his career, and people are already asking, can Wimby be the first rookie since Blake Griffin to make the All-Star game? And my answer simple. He absolutely will be. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind that Wimby will be an All-Star this season, and... It's not even necessarily if he'll deserve it, which I think he will, honestly. I think he will. But as long as Wimby is pretty good, even if he's not all-star good, but pretty good, you got to remember, the NBA has been hyping this man up before he was even in the NBA. They were paying for his rights over in France so they can nationally televise his game so people could start getting familiar with the guy. They are building their whole their whole persona around Victor Wimbenyama. They want him to be the face of this league. So he's got the popularity for the popular vote. And don't even get me started on the French. Because... (laughs) <laughs> he's got a whole country voting for him when it comes to the all-star game i really think he's going to make it as an innocent all-star starter because of the fan vote from like i said both the popularity that the nba has pushed and also because like i said he's got a whole country behind him and those guys are going to be voting for him and they're going to be behind him we've seen crazy people almost be an all-star starter or even be an all-star starter because of a whole country i mean you see zaza pachulia is a great example but there's no doubt in my mind, Victor Women Yama will be an all-star season. And final point of this episode, we're going to start wrapping it up. I do want to talk about um, something I saw on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it now. I'd still call it Twitter. Um, I saw this debate going on there, and boy, it had people heated. So basically, it was asking to rank the last five number one picks based on their ceiling. So you take the ceiling of all five of the last number one overall picks, and who, how would you rank them based on the absolute best they could possibly be? And of course, that's 2023 Victor Wembanyama, 2022 Paolo Bencaro, 2021 Cade Cunningham, 2020 Anthony Edwards, and 2019 Zion Williamson. And the most, for the most part, the consensus number one was Victor Wembanyama. There were some people that threw out, which I think they were just trying to be different. There were some people that threw out Anthony Edwards, um, As you know, Anthony Edwards had a lot of, a lot of buzz about potentially winning an MVP this year, and you know, he's got the perfect mold to be an MVP one day, yada yada yada. So I think a lot of people are really high on Anthony Edwards right now. So there were a few people who were trying to get fancy and putting Anthony Edwards out um, up there, but the consensus number one was Wimby. Um, which makes sense. Uh, He's got the ceiling, what people believe could be one of the greatest players of all time. Then Ant was pretty much the consensus number two. There were some weird rankings, but for the most part, Ant was consensus number two. I agree with number one and number two personally. Then it, it just... It it all went crazy after that. (laughs) Just people fighting in the comment sections. I mean, there's absolutely no common ground between Cade Cunningham, Zion Williamson, and Paolo Vincaro. And I'll get to kind of what my list was after I kind of go over what kind of people were saying about all these players. So the biggest thing, Paolo was probably the most disrespected one out of all these. Um, He's the least hyped up player coming out of college. All these other guys were pretty much... Other than maybe Anthony Edwards, um, we're all pretty much consensus number one coming out of um, out of college, whereas Paolo Bancaro was rumored to go number three in the NBA draft, and at the last second, the Magic changed their mind from Jamari Smith and picked um, Paolo Bancaro. And a lot of people really, what Paolo Bancaro does goes unnoticed because he plays for the Magic, and people don't be watching Magic games. I've been telling y'all, I've been telling y'all since... This podcast started. Y'all got to tune into Magic Games because that team is so exciting. Paolo Bencare is the real deal. Franz Wagner is the real deal. So a lot of people are disrespecting Paolo. But a lot of people forget Paolo had one of the best rookie seasons statistically of all time. Of all time. And, it, I mean, you can look it up. Wilt Chamberlain, I think, um, was number one. Paolo was was pretty close, though. Um but also, a lot of people say they don't see room for Paolo to grow. They think that this is kind of who he's going to be, which is great. But they don't really see him being like an All-NBA type of player. Which, saying that after someone's rookie season is a little bit absurd to me. Um, but I'm, I, I, everyone's opinions are own. Next up, you, Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham, who you know we haven't seen a whole lot from. Um in terms of hyped up, he was probably the third most hyped up player on this list, obviously. In terms of hype coming out of college, you probably got Wimby 1, Zion 2, Cade 3, then Ant 4, Palo 5. Maybe you can switch Palo and Ant. Um, but it's it's Cade Cunningham really didn't have a lot of people love or hate him. He was kind of just the middle ground of this conversation. And then Zion was the absolutely most polarizing player on this list. There were some people that had him as high as 1 because some people were saying have you watched this guy's Zion play when he's healthy and then other guys putting him as low as five because they're like we're like yeah we're talking about a healthy Zion because we're talking about ceiling but is Zion's ceiling really higher than these guys he's not a good defender he can't shoot the three he has definitely lost a step than when he came out of college because he's really slow like he's still really freaking good but I mean is he going to be better than these guys because these guys ceiling is through the roof and I don't know, man. It's, it, it was it was a lot of nonsense being thrown around on Twitter. Anyways, here are my rankings, if you guys care. If you don't, too bad. I'm about to say them anyways. At number one, like I said, I had Victor Wimbledama. At number two, I had Anthony Edwards. At number three, I had Tyne Williamson at number three. I think that three is a good spot for him. I think five is disrespectful. Like I said, I, I do see the concerns about his defense and about his, you know, he's he looks like he's gained weight and he's gotten slower and... Um, he's not a great three-point shooter but when we see him on the court we see him be one of the most effortless players ever to get a bucket not ever in the league I- I'm exaggerating you get what I'm saying though he looks so effortless trying to get a bucket nobody can really stop the guy so I had Zion at number three I had Palo Benqueira at number four I like I said Palo had a great rookie season I-, I feel bad for putting him this low but I just think he's, I think all five of these names have the potential to be all, all NBA first team players, every single one of them. Um, so this really was a hard list to rank. And then I had Cade number five. Like I said, I, I don't like it, but Cade just hasn't played enough and he didn't have a great rookie season. I don't, I don't know. I, am I don't really have any reason to put Cade at five. I just don't think he's as good as these other guys. <sighs> well, that's, that's the episode, man. Um, I got through everything I wanted to get through. I wanted to keep it a little bit shorter today. It was about what I thought it would be, maybe a little bit longer than I thought it would be. Um, but yeah, hey, th- thank y'all again for the support on the last episode. Let's see if we can continue that support through this episode. Um, I know the numbers typically don't do well on Thursdays, but I wanted to get y'all an episode, and those of y'all that listen anyways, I want to say I appreciate you, especially for those of you that sticked around, s- sticked around, stuck around for this whole time. Um... Be sure to follow, rate us five stars, share the uh, podcast with anybody you think would be interested. Um, be sure to follow us on socials. You can follow us on Twitter at RutsPod, R-U-T-S-P-O-D, or my um, personal Twitter at NoahWillard8. Of course, as always, all of those um, social media handles will be in the description of this episode. Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, we'll, hey, we'll see you later this week as we run up the score. and. The overreaction video is coming for the first few weeks of the season. So, hey, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see what criticisms y'all have of me or what, you know, whatever. But once again, thank y'all for joining. We'll see you guys in a couple of days.